is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Wenzel. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. What's up, Rockin' Jocks? It's Dan Cortez, and when I'm in Smogville, I tune into World champion show yeah and i i tune in as well every single night and every day sometimes it's sean black from the top of the ferris wheel it's world champion podcast i'm brighton we are two gentlemen who signed a bad contract to become the official podcast of the smogville world's fair our job is simple to create the greatest podcast of all time which as you can see is incredibly simple talk about the only things we truly understand fringe and forgotten pop culture and other stuff bam bam bam, bam. bam. thanks dan cortez for for filling in for us that nice little intro it was a cool intro it was very it had some rebellion it, it, had, had, it had everything dan cortez is known it had for it attitude had a, it had a bandana it had no shirt on had no body hair it had some baggy kind of shredded jeans it had a necklace with an unk it had a lot of la looks in that hair it was, oh, it was beautiful, man. Oh, it was so nice. We just happened to, oddly enough, we just happened to run into Dan Cortez That's down right, the street. That's right, Dan streets. Cortez. And luckily, I always have my dictaphone with me. He's looking great for 63, but swimming, like him dancing by that swim, swimming pool. I can't say it for some reason. You know, I always thought it was the editing, but mm-hmm. just talking to him in person, a lot of fast cuts. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, it's a close-up, and he's black and white. Right. Suddenly, he's normal-sized, and he's in color. Crazy. He's got great abs. He just though. has a riff that follows him around. Um, Pearl Jam riff. Polly Shore was there. Like we didn't ask for Polly Shore. No, he seemed kind of grumpy. He was grumpy. Um, and then Duff, beautiful. I was oh, too intimidated Duff, to approach. Yeah, Duff. Yeah, man. Like she, she was looking great from her walker. <laughs> <laughs> her dentures were perfect. <laughs> uh, don't make us sad. How old is Duff? I wonder. Duff's in her. Don't even look it up. Because we're gonna, it's it's gonna be like Duff is forty nine. You think so? Let's okay. Let's okay. Take bets. Oh, no, no. My real okay. My guess is forty six. Duff is forty six. Forty six. And we're talking about MTV VJs for all you squares that aren't down with the MTV. Yeah, because we're probably gonna be shocked. Because at the time when we were in junior high, she seemed like a grown up. She's probably like twenty three. Yeah, twenty three. Let's me, see. Yeah, no, she's she's forty seven years old. She is fifty four. Oh. Really? Yeah, so she was about 30 at the height of her fame. She's pushing 60. Duff. Duff. Are we talking about the Duff? We're talking about Duff. Karen Duffy of Dumb and Dumber. God damn, 54? Dan Cortez, 49. What's he, is there a photo? Like, what's he look like? Dan Cortez now? What's he up to? Well, it's, it's interesting that it's been an entire week and we're still... Still thinking about Dan Cortez. Dan Cor- um, well, once you brought him up, I realized he was my l- long-lost father. I have, I have a relationship with Dan Cortez the same way Luke Skywalker has one with Darth Vader, where it's like a long-lost father figure. Um, 
So the last we hear from Dan Cortez is 2013, where he is the host of True TV's Guinness World Records Unleashed. It sounds okay. It sounds classy. Uh, Sixteen episodes, two seasons. Oh yeah, it only lasted a year. Okay, only a year of his elderly life. Only like from fifty-four to fifty-five. Only one year of two fat twins on tiny motorcycles. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a lady with real long fingernails. And then a countdown to extinction, like his own mortality, slapping himself in the face every day. Just like Joey from Friends. His hair is white. Why is a fucking ghost right now? If you looked at Joey, he still oh, looks really? young. Aside from his hair looking like he just saw a ghost, he looks great. I saw Phoebe in something recently. Looks the same. No, I mean, she looks uh, appropriate. And we've talked about this, that, that classic thing of like, oh, that actor from Star Trek looks terrible. Yeah, because they're in their 80s. Right. Yeah, Phoebe's, Phoebe looks as old as she is, however old that is. She looks, she looks, Jennifer Aniston looks pretty great. Well, she probably allowed herself, yeah, Phoebe is 53. She looks like a 53-year-old woman. Does she? Yeah. So what did I see her in? Girl on a Train. She's in that. Mm-hmm. She has a song. Girl on a Train, I Don't Have a Brain. Because I'm a girl on a train. Yeah, it was actually just a, a friend's reunion. That's, that that's yeah. really great. I yeah. love that. That's cute. Yeah, the girl on the train is someone Ross was in love with. Oh, and Sven, oh, Sven never, was there? Never going to meet the girl on the train. <laughs> that, was almost, that first uh, non-verbal syllable I did was a spot-on Ross impression, but it fell apart when I started using words. I still, uh, I, I back you up. Can we go back to Guinness World's Records Unleashed? So I guess the show is them trying to um, set a record, like, on the show. On the show. Yeah. And, you know, at this point, they're dumb records. Like, I don't really care about world records where it's like, I'm going to do the most uh, whatevers, you know? The world is such like, a... Like, f- I care about the world's tallest man. I care about two fat twins on motorcycles. Well, I don't care about, like, oh, I'm going to bounce a tennis ball off my shoulder... Well, I mean, of all the amazing things you've seen in your life, like, and, and like, there's been some things like borderline miraculous. You've seen some shit. You've yeah. seen everything. And for someone to say, like, this is the most pieces of bubble gum in, in their mouth, it just doesn't have the same sort of magic. It's like, oh, you got 75 pieces of fucking bubble gum in your mouth. Yeah, so episode three was an attempt for the most self-head kicks the most slicing potatoes with a shovel within a minute. Most skips of a rope in a minute while bouncing off the buttocks. See, this is bullshit. This right, is, that's This is I'm not saying. real stuff. No. This is not like how many, how many like, like if you have a, what are those things called? Those like uh, pogo stick. You got a pogo stick, 5,000 pogos. Like that's a real record. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you're thinking up something insane like, how many slices on a on a pickle with a razor blade can you make like, in a minute? It's, it's and, yeah, and then all fu- this in a not, minute. It's not a real. You haven't broke any record. You've just done something super idiotic and weird. Like how many how many like like uh, sparkles can you throw onto a pile of mayonnaise? That's not a record. A record is like how many slam dunks in a minute. Yeah, you know, right? No, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, 
And that reminds me of, of the Smogville Zone down at the Smogville Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. which has, what is it, the 111th Beetle? Right. I believe. Yeah, yeah. We have that yeah. going for us. He made all, all the shoes. We've got the longest burning coal fire within a mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Biggest, there, world's largest coal miner graveyard. Yeah. That, like, just that. That, that's something, that, that. That's not some ridiculous honor, you know, that this is like, we've earned this. Yeah. This is a lot of lives that have had to end for us to get this. This. this you I know. mean, by this logic, we can be most episodes of a podcast recorded inside of pretend Ferris wheel. Right. Right. If you want to get real, really like break it down, or the most episodes recorded ever by a show called World Champion Podcast. Yeah, we might have that. We broke that record this week. We did. That's right. But before this week, there had never been forty. Five episodes, 46? What are we on? I'm not sure. There had never been, in the 40s even, episodes of World Champion Podcast until they existed. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. It's humbling, really. It is humbling, humbling, man. I want to thank you. I want to thank God. I want to thank everyone. I want to thank my family. You know? And more importantly, I want to thank Loot Crate. Right, Loot Crate. And Harry's Razors. How did you get such a close shave over there? Was it a loot razor you got in that crate, right? <laughs> I got a loot. I got myself a loot razor. Why? Every you... month they send you a box filled with razor blades. Isn't the worst thing it's going Smogville to Smogville original? I'll tell you the worst day of my life: going to the grocery store, buying shaving cream, buying a razor. Oh, it's the worst! And, and then, then and then I got to go home. I got to know how to figure out how to shave. I got to make dinner somehow. I don't know how to make I don't dinner. Have time. My can... mattress is uncomfortable. Stamps. I right. need stamps yeah. to mail how, razor blades like, how many, to public figures. How many days a week are you mailing razor blades to hundreds and thousands of people and you have no stamps because nobody uses stamps anymore? Well, we got some good news. Stamps for razor blades. Stamps for razor blades. Dot org.com you've has driven, got you covered. You've tried driving across the border with a trunk full of razor blades. It's such a pain. That's they want right. to ask you, why do you have all these razor blades? Mm-hmm. No, stamps.razor.blades. You can mail razor blades internationally. Stamps to, yeah, in order to send out the blades to replace the blades you just got on your clean shaven face. Thanks for indulging us, everybody. If you've been following our record setting podcast you know we have not previously done ads because we've been wanting to save them all for one episode we're against ads but no we thought why not do it now break the record why not do a whole year's worth of ads in one episode Mm -hmm. nailed it all right well this next segment is brought to you by peaches the fruit yeah peaches the fruit not peaches the musician peaches the fruit uh let's see cook them cream them eat them steam them Peaches. Excellent. Thanks to the uh, American Peach Council for uh, supporting our next segment, Mysteries of the Mysterious. <laughs> Cook them, cream them, steam them, eat them. Peaches. 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 Have you ever heard of Casper Hauser? Casper Hauser. Okay. Hauser is Arnold Schwarzenegger's character's real name in Total Recall and Casper is the friendliest ghost. Yes. So I've heard of both. Casper Hauser um, was the subject of a 1974 film by Werner Herzog. Love Werner. It is called Jeder Versich und Gott gegen alle. 
which translates to every man for himself and God against all. <laughs> Could there be a more Werner Herzog title to a movie? I, I've never even heard not. of this. Absolutely not. I went to Comic-Con a few years ago, and I went to like a dinosaur's computer animation like panel. Like, just randomly. I, I had time to kill before I met up with you guys somewhere. And fucking Werner Herzog was there. On the and panel or in the on audience? On the front row. Oh. And, I, and I, was, I was on the front row for some weird reason. And I kept yeah. going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's Herzog. That's him. That's him. Like, everyone's favorite dark, like, human darkness. Like, <laughs> yes, it's yeah. like, it's like he, he's, he's, he's going to talk to you about reality, but he's also going to bring you down. Mm-hmm. Because reality is a bummer. But but they even the people that were doing the panel called him up up on stage. They were like, "Could could we have you, Werner, come up and, and talk for a minute about why you like dinosaurs?" And so this is the first time I saw him. I was starstruck. He goes up and he starts talking in his thick, like German accent, very like famous. He's yeah. got a famous voice. Like it's it's there's tons of things making fun of it. Like it's it's very well known. And his whole outlook is very well known as well. Yeah, I'm guessing he likes dinosaurs because he loves the idea of extinction. Yeah, and it was. And he played right along to that, like the ruthlessness of their lifestyles. They, the, in the dinosaur world, they just killed, killed, and that's all they knew was killing. You know, it was like, it was like classic Werner Herzog yeah. stuff. And I was there in person. That's great. Starstruck. <laughs> I, love the, I love the image of Werner Herzog going through the program with a highlighter circling panels he wants to attend. I, I love it too. No, I, I was sitting there like I was, I went into it because it was the panel. Like you couldn't get into the twilight panel. No, it was like there was the pilot of lock and key uh-huh. that was never aired. And they were showing it at comic con and we sat into that. And then there was something like an hour later, but it was in the same room. So like, let's sit through the next panel. And the next panel was walking with dinosaurs. And like, so we literally had no, uh, like, nobody cared at all. Like, like we're there to kill time. Yeah. And, until we started being like, like, is that Werner Herzog? Is that, is that Werner, is, is that the grizzly man himself? So, well, he wasn't the grizzly man. Grizzly man got eaten. Oh, God. One of my, yeah, watch Grizzly Man. One of my favorite movies ever. I love that movie. Yeah. It's so terrifying and interesting. But I mean, I'm a lifelong fan. But to see him, it was it was one of the it was just cool because yeah. like, like you saw him out in the wild. In the wild, it was Herzog it was. Man is the name of your documentary. I was like, come here, you're a bad Herzog. Come here, <laughs> Mister Herzog, Mister Bowtie Herzog. Come here, <laughs> like Grizzly Man. I love all the the things when he chews out the bears. Like, have you seen that more than once? No. There's a lot of scenes where he's he's chewing out the bears and he's given like Grizzly Man is a documentary about this crazy guy that goes to live in the Alaskan wild in a bear him and his girlfriend they live among the bears and it's, he's convinced It's an area that's like a bear area. Yeah, it's barrier and he's convinced that he is, has a special bond with the bears that most humans don't have. But he doesn't. They, he goes from chewing out to chewed up. Right. So like there's like the whole movie, like, and in the very the opening credits, they let you know he dies. Yeah. Like he's he he is killed by the fucking bears. Like just like anyone that goes and hangs out with bears, they're bears. They find his arm. 
with yeah, his watch it's, still ticking. It's horrifying. But but respect he, nature, people. If there's anything that this show is about, it's that you need to have a healthy respect for nature. It's more than respect for nature. It's like like he like I feel like Grizzly Man loved nature and respected it, but he didn't understand it. Like yeah. in, in respect nature, when when we say that, we mean Nature will kill you. Nature wants it, to kill you it so will hard. Kill you, and that's all it wants. And it's so easy, so easy. So yeah, so he goes out there. He films himself interacting with bears, and there's lots of scenes where the bears are are being bears and they're trying to come kill him or like swat at him. But he, but I think it freaks the bears out because they're like they don't know what to think. Like a, a normal animal would run from them. Yeah, and there's this guy going, "No, Mister Buttons, no, Mister Buttons, don't you swat at me? Oh, you've got a bad attitude, Mister Buttons. I'm gonna spank your bottom." Mister Buttons is not a name for a bear. Yeah, the bear's name is is it's like or some kind of roar. First of all, like, <laughs> and that roar means like, I drink your blood. Yeah, I eat your children. Like, I'm, going, I'm literally going to eat you and digest your bones. Right. Like, uh, this is the sound of death. This is the sound of your existence ending. It's not Mr. Buttons. There is, uh, for those who have not seen the film, there actually is audio of his horrible bear attack. Can you hear where it? He's killed. Okay. No. So in the movie, you, they show Werner listening to it. Mm-hmm. So it's just him with headphones listening to it. He's listening he... to a, a recording of the death of this man and his girlfriend, yeah. right? Yeah, because she basically just accidentally turned the camera on. Right. With the lens cap. Okay. The so lens cap is on the camera. And then just so audio. Werner. So yeah, so, but then Werner takes headphones off and he says, like, you should burn this tape and bury the ashes or some typical Herzogian thing. They should have played it, man. Like, I have a problem with that. I feel like he really blew it. I don't know. It's, that's Herzog for you. It's horrible. Always, it's always horrible. being an artist instead of a sensationalist. It's horrible. I don't even think it's sensational necessarily. It is, obviously. It's like this dramatic recording. But I mean, part of me thinks like it should be as real as it can get. You hear, you hear how this ends, and it really, I think more than him d- discussing it, more than all the, the talking and the narrative over the whole thing, to hear someone die from messing with bears... Like, that's a powerful ending that's not necessarily exploitative. I don't know. So Her- Herzog says, uh, it's the most terrifying thing I've ever heard in my life. I believe that. Have you seen the video where he gets shot in the middle of an interview? Herzog? Yeah. I don't know. He's, like, in, in downtown L.A. or something, like, in kind of an industrial area. And he's doing an interview, and then he kind of, like, goes, oh. And pulls his shirt up a little, and the interviewer's like, what's wrong? And he's like, I've, I've been shot. <laughs> and, uh, and then he kind of looks around, and he's like, anyway, what, what was your question? Who shot him? Uh, I don't know. It's just like a random ricochet. He said it was, uh, what did he say? It's not a significant wound, he said. It was like a twenty two from far away. He got shot in the belly, like in the side. So like, and he's like, oh, boy. Anyway, wow. let's continue. Sorry, no what was your no, question? No need to stop. Yeah. Why? Why would you? You've been shot. Yeah. I guess a twenty-two is not that big. I still don't want to get hit by one in the belly. I, it wouldn't even... Okay, so being shot in the belly with a twenty-two wouldn't even be the concerning part. It would be more like what's to come is what I think I'd be stressing about. I've been shot. Is there more to come? 
maybe. Oh, like more bullets? Yes. Like a hail of, was yes. that just the first in a hail of like, bullets? You, like, when you get shot, your first shot shouldn't be like, can we continue this movie? It should be, I've been shot, what happens now? Yeah. At least for me. I don't know. I'm old Are they going to take better aim? Yeah. Are like, they going to get reinforcements? If someone's shot you. Do they have a pipe bomb? Right. These are the questions. Yeah. So Casper Hauser, and of course, uh, I don't want to misrepresent anything. I'm just taking this straight from Wikipedia. Okay. Wikipedia may or may not be a reliable source of information. Right. I don't want to hear anything about These it. These are all stories anyway. Right. So I'm going to tell you the story of Casper Hauser. It's uh, 1828. A teenage boy shows up in the streets of Nuremberg, Germany. Okay. He has a letter addressed to the captain of the 4th Squadron of the 6th Cavalry Regiment, Captain von the Wessening. Okay. Uh, and it reads, um, from the Bavarian border, the place is unnamed, 1828. The letter says, um, this boy was given into my custody as an infant uh, in October 1812. Uh, I've taught him in reading, writing, and the Christian religion, but never let him take a single step out of my house. Uh, the letter stated that the boy would now like to be a cavalryman, as his father was, and invited the captain to either take him in or to hang him. Hang him? Yeah. <laughs> How old was he? 16. Oh, that was, yeah, that was... That was way, hanging age. That was, yeah. Way like, past hanging age. Oh, oh, like nine is hanging age. So, in, so what we've got days. right now is this boy has been raised in, in isolation for 16 years, never leaving a house. Well, I'm thinking and of... And then a, this guy gives him a letter and scoots him off. I'm thinking of a 16-year-old in 2016 times. Yeah. 1823, a 16-year-old was pretty much like retirement age, In right? darkest Bavaria. Right. Like by, yeah. by that point, he had already got black lung. He was just waiting to die... From consumption. No, but he's never even been out of the house. Well, I mean, in general. Oh, yeah. I just mean, oh, like, speaking. having a 16-year-old come into your care is, is, like, nowadays would be, you know, you think of a child. In those days, you're thinking, oh, 16? Maybe I can borrow money from him. He's an established man. Yeah. He's got a home. He's got many acres. He's been to war. He's weird killed. that he's not married yet. He, it's weird he's, he's not married and doesn't have at least four or five kids, but he's Definitely killed other people. Oh, yeah. He's definitely murdered a few people in some either local skirmishes or an actual battle of some kind. So, <laughs> okay, so this letter is so, not... he, so he's 16 years old. He's ready to join the army. Yeah, so you're on the right track. Well, I'm saying... Or like, be hanged. I'm just saying, like, getting this letter would not be unnerving. It'd be like... Right. The, it would be the most mundane thing in the I'm world. I'm sure which, whoever the captain is that read the letter, mm. I'm sure he thought about it. He considered both options. Well, I thought, like, can like, we, uh, can we, we afford him... to have him join? Okay, Do I we guess... have a spare uniform, or should I just hang him? And they're like, well, maybe, we, maybe he can dig some ditches. All so, right. so he had another letter um, from his mother, from his mother to his prior caretaker that said his name was Casper, he was born in 1812, and that his father, a cavalryman in the 6th Regiment, was dead. Okay. So the only words Casper can say is, I want to be a cavalryman as my father was, and horse, horse. Further demands elicited only tears or the obstinate proclamation of don't know. He was taken to a police station where he could write his name, Casper Hauser, um, showed that he was familiar with money, could say some prayers and read a little, but it appeared his uh, vocabulary was very limited. So there's no way these letters are from him. How about, like, join the military? Like, here's my son. You're thinking the letters might be from Casper himself? Yeah. Well, they were in the same handwriting. They were. And one of the letters said, um, 
the letter from his mother said, this caretaker has the same handwriting as me, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Specifically said. I'm not going to worry about that. That sounds like that. That's not, that's. Sounds legit. Sounds it happens. Yeah. It, it, this letter it's was genetic. found. This letter was found to have been written by the same hand as the other one, whose line he writes my handwriting exactly as I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, led later analysts to assume Casper himself might have written both of them. Interesting. I, I, I don't buy it, but okay, I see what you're saying. Right. So he's a curiosity, and he just keeps getting passed around to like different doctors and different like social climbers. They're like, hey, that weird kid that showed up out of nowhere, he's in our, in our attic. Come check him out. So this is like 1828? Yeah. Why, like, is there a current war going on? Like, what, what, what does he want? He wants to go to war and be a cavalryman? I don't know really what was going on around that time. I don't think Germany was Germany yet. Yeah. Wasn't it like Bavaria and other stuff? Austria probably. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but so he, he kind of started to speak. He said that for as long as he could remember... He spent his life totally alone in a darkened cell about two meters long, one meter wide, and one and a half feet high, one and a half meters high, with only a straw bed to sleep on and two horses and a dog carved out of wood for toys. He said that periodically he found rye bread and water next to his bed each morning. No, each morning, yeah. Rye bread and water. Periodically, the water would taste bitter, and drinking it would cause him to sleep more heavily than usual. On such occasions, when he awakened, the straw was changed and his hair and nails were cut. Um... <laughs> He claimed that the first human being he ever had contact with was a mysterious man who visited him not long before his release, uh, always taking great care not to reveal his face to him. This man, Hauser said, taught him to write his name by leading his hand. And then after finally learning to stand and walk, he was brought to Nuremberg. And the stranger taught him to say the phrase, I want to be a cavalryman as my father was. Oh, my God. But But Hauser said he didn't know what those words meant. Is this true? I don't know. That's a mystery. So he's saying he was kept in a little cell and never even saw a person until right before he went out. This sounds like some kind of Game and of they'd Thrones give him, thing. And they'd give something. him uh, vodka or something. I know. They, like, yeah, he would have, clearly, yeah. the, the burning water that would make him sleep heavily, they just, they, they just gave him straight booze till he yeah. passed out. Um, this, this is happening probably right now somewhere close by. Yeah, it's, no, that's, yeah, and that's a fun thought, but it's definitely happening. It's a horrifying thought. Yeah. Like all these these people being found in sheds everywhere. Uh-huh. It's terrifying. Um, it is Game of Thronesy, and then we'll, well, I'll tell you why. Okay, that's, well, that's my first thought, is that this sounds like so brutal, so Game of Thrones yeah. style. Um, so he spent the following two months in a castle, L- Lugensland Tower in Nuremberg Castle in the care of a jailer. Various curious people would visit him to his apparent delight, <laughs> and he refused all food except bread and water. Interesting. Uh, eventually, really? he was transferred to the care of a guy named Friedrich Daumer, who taught him and conducted magnetic experiments. <laughs> Can't even get through it. Who taught him and conducted magnetic experiments upon him. Good. There's no elaboration on that. It's about time. That's just written like that's a normal mm. thing. Magnetic experiments. What do you suppose those were? I don't know. Probably something really stupid, like holding a magnet up to him and being like, oh, Look how the magnet wavers near his lungs. He's got good lungs. Yeah. yeah actually, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> maybe, uh, oh, maybe he crafted a necklace out of magnets mm-hmm. and gave it to Casper and then tried to see if Casper could throw a fastball. Yeah. Very possible. <laughs> Likely. Um, so here's where it really starts to get weird, if it wasn't weird enough. 
On October 1829, Hauser did not come to his midday meal, but was found in the cellar of the house bleeding from a cut on his forehead. He asserted that while sitting on the privy, he was attacked and wounded by a hooded man who threatened him with the words, you still have to die ere you leave the city of Nuremberg. He said that he recognized the voice as the guy who brought him to Nuremberg in the first place. What? This is so weird. So the rumor, so this is now fueling rumors that he is uh, from Hungary, or he's, he's uh, descended either from Hungary, England, or the house of Baden. So Baden, Baden was this noble house. Oh, okay. The rumor is that Caspar was the hereditary prince of Baden, who was born uh, September 1812, and according to known history, died in October 1812. So the rumor is that the prince was switched with a dying baby, the real okay. prince, so then the baby dies, and then the real prince is, is shuttled off away in hiding in his cell. And put in the weirdest like, lifestyle ever. Yeah, his parents were the, uh, Charles, the Grand Duke of Baden, and Stephanie de Bourgogne's cousins by marriage and adopted daughter of Napoleon. What? Yeah, so the adopted daughter of Napoleon is, would be his, who his mother is. Of Napoleon? Yeah, because Charles had no surviving male progeny, his successor was his uncle Louis, who was later succeeded by his half-brother, Leopold. Leopold's mother, the Countess of Horschberg, was the culprit in this whole thing. So the Countess supposedly disguised herself as a ghost when kidnapping the prince to secure the house for her sons. I, I am so confused. So the, the, I am so confused. So, so Casper would have been the heir. So let's, let me, let's think about this in Game of so Thrones. So they put him in like... A six-foot, tiny little, like, prison cell. Yeah, this is where it starts to fall apart. Is this from birth? Like He's, how... like, he's about a month old, yeah. So he doesn't so know they were English. So they replace a healthy baby with a dying baby. Then but I don't the... understand why they do that. Why not just... Kill the, the real baby? Or replace him with a dying baby so they think their baby's dead. And then just kill him. Just go kill the real one, too. But I don't know why you kept keep him, him and then get rid of him. They kept six him years later. and they did this elaborate thing where he, they could only teach him how to say like whatever that was, whatever yeah. his saying was that he said. I'm I am from Nur- my dad was a bowman or whatever. Yeah, my dad was a cavalryman. What's the end game here? Like, what? How does this conspiracy make sense at all? It makes sense up to the point where they keep Casper in a box. Right. It makes perfect sense. Um, I guess. I don't know why. I mean, this is 1812. Just if you, a, if you really want the baby out of the picture, just poison the real one. That That's easy to say. Like, I love how flippant you are about poisoning and murdering babies. Okay, that's a good point. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reel it back here for a second and say maybe they did this elaborate thing because it's hard to kill a baby. Okay. Maybe, they, okay. maybe there was a sick baby that was going to die anyways. They switched it, and then they thought, let's just keep this baby a secret because I'm not going to kill it. Are you going to kill it? No. I don't. I refuse. I'm not going to kill a. Are you crazy? Am I going to kill a baby? Like you think about this in very like clinical terms, but it comes down to somebody killing a baby. Babies are adorable. They're cute. They got a little smile. They got a sparkle in their eye. They got the big giant eyeballs like those minions. You know, they're adorable. It would be. It would like the type of person that could kill a baby. Like that's 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 even below like a killer. You know? Killer like I get it. You gotta go out and you gotta kill some asshole. You you find some old biker guy, he's a horrible man, 
terrible. He, he killed people, did, did horrible things in his life. Killing him is different than being like, oh, right, I got to sneak in the nursery. I got to find the most beautiful, perfect little baby. Beautiful blue eyes. Oh, she smiled at me. Now it's time to strangle her to death. <laughs> oh, my God. Point, yeah. You raise That's a, my point. You raise a good point. That's my point. You raise an excellent point. Okay, so, so, it's, so now it's more plausible. Right. So he is the long-lost heir. I think he could be. I mean, this, a spoiler, spoiler alert for Dance with Dragons. Mm-hmm. They, there's literally a baby switching thing, and then the real baby's killed. It's true. Well, it's one of those things where you think, like, like people are people. You think a hundred years ago, like in our heads, we're like, oh, people are so ruthless and had no oh, mo- yeah. emotions. Like they were some kind of humans that were that had that did not, for some reason, have the same like feelings as us, conscience, guilt, well, yeah, and then all that stuff. The idea that in like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years of human history, mm-hmm. and it's only in the last hundred and fifty years that we finally got. We like, still, we obviously still don't have our shit together fi- in any way. Well, yeah, but we finally feel bad about stuff. Or yeah, like guilt. like just uh, uh, two hundred years ago, which if if Neil deGrasse Tyson were alive today, would tell us is just a tiny speck on the timeline. And, but and and we'd think that like that's when we got empathy. Yeah, but you're right. We, we, you're like right. we feel so far sorry for ourselves. But there's a guy. It's thirteen hundred and fifty. He's got social anxiety, and he's got to go in front of the whole court. And, and, and tell the queen that, that something happened, right? Yeah. So, like, the whole morning, you wake up at dawn just because everyone wakes up at dawn because that's when the roosters go off. There's no clocks. <laughs> the roosters go you off. You go up. Yeah. You, you, wa- you, you splash water in your face from, like, a very disgusting, polluted, like, marsh. You know, something that, like, clearly has dysentery in it and stuff. But you, like, wake up. Okay, you wake up. Okay, breakfast. Okay, up until they, they figured out basically industrialized... Um, the crops and all that stuff, and the, they discovered coffee. Basically, until a hundred years ago, you woke up and you drank beer first thing in the morning. <laughs> right. You had a bunch of beers in the morning. Yeah. So that actually probably helped the social anxiety. Get up, splash your face dysentery water. You drink the. <laughs> you drink a couple. You know, you have bread and beer, which is the same thing. And then, and then you you have to walk like a half mile to the castle. And, you're, and the whole time you're going there, this is like an hour walk. You keep thinking, okay, play cool. They're going to like your jester outfit. They're not going to make fun of you. Like, Oh, he's the it, jester? It's Well, no, maybe not the jester, but they're going to like your outfit. Yeah. You're, okay, you, good. You, okay, let's change that. The jester is mentally ill in, in those cases, I assume. Yeah. Like, they're going to like your outfit. It's only the the king. and. And and just because the king is divine, just because this is God, yeah. doesn't mean I should freak out about this presentation. I just got to tell the king <laughs> presentation. Got to tell the king we need more money down here on the docks. We gotta we gotta we gotta rebuild the fleet. The king is only God. It's only God. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, let's stop in this tavern real quick. Just, just one more drink. Just another beer for breakfast, for, for, for spirit, for health. Then I can go up to the castle and tell God I need more money. <laughs> yeah, to, to, I, Because the ship, the ship sank. I think you're going to have... I, I think these people are very similar to us, to be honest. Very similar. I like that. That was a nice picture you painted. Right. Um, 
1340, this is just something I remember off the top of my head, um, the French fleet was destroyed at the Battle of, I think, Sluis by the English. Okay. And Philippe uh, the Sixth Jester told him, the English sailors don't even have the guts to jump into the water like our brave French. Okay. What's that mean? Meaning he's delivering the horrible news that the fleet was destroyed. Ah. But spinning it, like, look how brave we are, just jumping on into the water. That was a good spin. It it's worked, a, it's it worked a great for spin. me. I thought, yeah. like, wow, they are brave, is my first thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well see? done. So, uh, April 1830 now, a pistol shot goes out in Casper Hauser's room, and he's now staying with another family. He just keeps getting passed around. Right. Um, is he ha- acting relatively normal? I'm picturing Tarzan. Like if yeah, you, if I mean, you hear the, tor- the story of Tarzan, I mean, he doesn't. He was able to tell that whole thing about living in a box and eating, drinking vodka. Is this? Is this? It's not real, right? That's got to be it. So uh, they found him bleeding um, from the he- the head, and he said he'd climbed on a chair to get some books. The chair fell, and then while the chair was falling, he tried to grab something and grabbed a pistol that was hanging on the wall, and the shot went off. Hmm. That's. This is the first point in the story that I'm not maybe buying. Well, he was reproached for lying and uh, kicked out of that house, then transferred to the house of so, Baron von so wait, so wait a minute. He was falling from a ladder and grabbing anything he could, and the first thing he grabbed was the handle of a pistol Yeah, and then fired it. And then fired it, and it grazed his head. Wow. What an unlucky fall. I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to kind of taint your images of, of young Casper Hauser. He's I now 18. Can't. Um, but he was transferred to the house of Baron von Tucher, who complained about his exorbitant vanity and lies. And uh, when Mrs. Bieberback, I want my Bieberback, Bieberback, <laughs> Mrs. Bieberback um, commented on Casper's horrendous mendacity, his art of dissimulation, and called him full of vanity and spite. Okay. So he's a, he's a, little, he's a little dickhead, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> December 1833, so he's 21 years old now, comes home with a... I love that he's all, like, already an awful person by 18, yeah, yeah. 18 or 19. This isn't like we're getting to the end of his life and he's become evil. It's like he is barely becoming a, a grown person. Um, December, yeah, December 1833, comes home with a deep wound in his left breast so that he was lured to the Ansbach Court Garden, and then a stranger stabbed him there while giving him a bag. Sounds ridiculous. Um, Policemen searched the court garden. They found a small violet purse containing a penciled note that read in German, Hauser will be able to tell you quite precisely how I look and from where I am. (laughs) To save Hauser the effort, I want to tell you myself from where I come. (laughs) And then literally, it's like lines like you're playing hangman. What? So there's two lines. I come from line, 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 the Bavarian border, line, line, on the river, line, 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 line. No. I will even tell you my name. M-L-O. Are cops this stupid? They can't be, right? Well, remember the handwriting? Yeah. Oh. Same handwriting. An- another match. Um... Inconsistencies in Hauser's account led to the court of inquiry to suspect that he stabbed himself and invented a tale about being attacked. 
Um, the note contained a spelling error and a grammatical error, both of which were typical for Hauser. For his, yeah. And, uh, and while he was bleeding, he kept muttering incoherencies about writing with pencil. Um, although he was very eager that the purse be found, he didn't ask what was inside of it. Because mm-hmm. in theory, this guy stabbed him and then was trying to give him this bag and dropped it. Right. Um, the note itself was folded in a specific triangular form, the way that Hauser folds his wait, letters. Wait, wait. So the only thing in the bag was this confession? Yeah. So, like, the point of the bag is even insane. Yeah. Um, there was his, his, He folded it the same way, and, and what else? It's just folded the same way as his letters, and the handwriting was, was like his. Um, and then he died. Yeah. What? Yeah. He actually died. He actually died. Um, so he was trying to get attention and stabbed himself and accidentally stabbed himself too deep. Are you serious? Yeah. He died. He died. So he was trying to revive the like, public interest in him with this mystery. And like, because the rumors about him being the lost heir were, they were rumors at the time. Mm-hmm. So he would have been aware of those rumors. Okay. Um, here's some other things. One of his keepers said, Casper Hauser is a smart, scheming codger, a rogue, a good for nothing that ought to be killed. Okay. And, uh, that's then, one star, maybe, yeah. in modern time. In Yelp, in Yelp speak. In <laughs> Yelp speak, that's one star. I would say that's one star. He had to be killed. Um, and then someone else, like, shortly after his death, said, his tale is so full of absurdities that it is astonishing it was ever believed and is even today still believed by many people. Wow. Part of me, part of me has such admiration for people who can, like, one of my favorite movies is the talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, this or is like, totally a talented Mr. Ripley like, thing. There's something about that that I find so interesting and, and fascinating and in a weird way admirable because it's not like this is a lying piece of shit. It's not admirable, like face value, but like this is someone who's so dedicated to not to being nobody. Well, you um, you know you probably you haven't seen the imposter yet, have you? Uh, the, it was a documentary. Uh-uh. I'm sure our listeners, if any of our listeners have seen the imposter, you're seeing that it's a very similar story. Okay. Um, it's it. amazing. Yeah, it's a documentary about a confidence trickster named Frederic. Okay. Who basically does the same thing? He goes around trying to pass himself off as other people and live with families. And then when he gets found out, he just does it again in the next town over. There, there's something, but there's something like, there's so something it's really s- interesting that there's a, there's that pattern there. So I wonder how many other times this happened throughout history where someone's just like going to run away and Man. make up this elaborate lie about myself. Like before a hundred years ago, you could pretty much do it from the dawn of fucking time. Yeah. Like you could do this or like the old man who said he was Billy the kid. Yeah. Ha- have you ever, have you ever gone, to another country for an extended period of time, for a, for a long period of time. Uh, I went to Canada for four days recently. Okay, then that, that counts. Town there called Vulcan. I'll tell you about it sometime. Well, there's something great. Like, I, I've moved a couple times, and I've gone to other countries for long periods of time. There's something super freeing and amazing about basically starting over. Where you live right now, everyone knows you. You have, you have such there's, – there's so many connections. People have had all the, these experiences – with you, you you have a reputation, you know, of some sorts, good or bad, or, or or maybe just a subtle reputation. But people know who you are. To suddenly go to someplace new and be nobody, to be the talented Mister Ripley, like, there's something I loved about that. A when girl I, is nobody. No, when I moved to San Diego, 
there was something really beautiful about it, you, you kind of are starting over. Like all the mistakes you've made, all the dumbass things you've done, it's like it's wiped clean. Like you, you can now be the person you want to be if you can pull it off. I guess you can. I mean, even with social media, you can just delete your accounts and stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, in a different town. I was, no, I was thinking, I, what's funny is I, that was me responding to a thought I had inside my head that I didn't say out loud. Okay. Because I was like, that's probably harder now to do because of the way we're all so much more connected than right, we were even right. 20 years ago. Yeah. If, if you're like not... Any, I guess, I, you know, I could try to start over in San Diego, but then what if I run into our friend Bob Bear Cub? And he's well, like, what yeah. are you doing here? You moved here? And I'm like, yeah. You avoid Bob Bear Cub, and then you just do your thing. I guess I'd have to go to a city of millions of people and somehow avoid the two people I know in that city. Out of the millions. Out of the millions. Because I'm like, yeah, I could go to L.A. and start over. No, no. My friend I, Leslie I, lives in Manhattan I do Beach. Know, yeah, I do know one person I do know one person who lives uh, about so 60 miles up, south of yeah, L.A. I can't would, do it. That would fall apart. I'd be exposed. No, it, it, it's something kind of cool. It's like... Because then it goes, to, it basically goes to the biggest question of all: Who am I? Like our, our entire lives are devoted to this question: Like who am I? What do I want? What do I want my life to 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 be? What do I want? Like what meaning do I draw from what I've done? Who am I? That's the that's the the main question of life. And if you can go to eighteen twelve London. And write a letter saying that you're like a uh, deaf person or whatever it was, an orphan, yeah. and then do this elaborate lie. Like, how is that any different than anything? Like, this person followed his dream in this insane <laughs> madness. And then stabbed himself to death. And then stabbed himself to death, but at least he died my way. <laughs> Regrets. I've had a few. Especially the one where I just stabbed myself too hard. My main regret was stabbing myself. I wanted to live. I, wanted I just to, wanted attention. I just wanted to trick people and maybe get some money. I didn't mean to stab myself mortally. This pain I feel as I die. As my eyes fade and everything goes black, I had no friends. I lied to everyone, but I did it my way. too crazy this that was a crazy episode dude are you like are you possessed are you in a trance i don't know